What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited that you joined me today because we have a really special guest. Today, I am honored and privileged to introduce you to Craig Alexander. Craig is the president of an award-winning full-service advertising agency. He is the country's foremost authority on challenger brand marketing because of his understanding of what it takes to succeed in his memorable and motivating campaigns. Guys, Craig is a cool, cool person. I can't wait to introduce you to him and share with you his knowledge, his journey, and all his experience along the way. So let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Craig, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Hi, Michael. Glad to be here. Thanks for including me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, there's so many things I have questions about. But of course, the thing that we love to do on this show and start off with is just talking a little bit about your journey and your path to get to president holy cow you know like this is a is a crazy path and it's a it's a fun journey but i'd love to hear more of the backstory a little bit more how you got started and what led you to where you're at now sure happy to um so currently uh i i run an agency with my partner john gumas called gumas advertising we're based in san francisco and we focus on what we refer to as challenger brand marketing that's our proprietary language it's trademarked to us uh, we've written a couple of books, so one just now called Challenger Brand Marketing, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and it, we focus on working with uh, emerging organizations, businesses as they begin their careers, as, uh, as well as uh, longstanding businesses who might be uh, in very complicated marketplaces, uh, larger competitors. Uh, we, we're here to help organizations uh, learn what it is that they need to say to their customer that's going to cut through that competitive environment. And again, something we talk about down the road. But in terms of background, um, I've been in the advertising world uh, since uh, the beginning of my career. Um, I went to school in Los Angeles uh, at USC. And uh, during uh, those years, um, spent time in theater, um, speech and debate, uh, and and certainly business and economics and was trying to figure out a way to put all those interests together in a way that might lead to a, an enjoyable career. And uh, once I graduated, I had the opportunity to go to work for a large New York agency as just a child. And um, at that agency, I uh, worked with uh, on the Miller Brewing Company business. So the first account that I had uh, at 23 years old, was working on a beer brand, a national beer brand with a $380 million budget, uh, targeting wow. everybody like me, right? Just the <laughs> young boys, really. Right. Uh, 
and all the things that we did was aimed at me. And it was a, uh, it was a perfect career starter. Uh, loved the agency, loved the work that we did. I, I got to uh, learn how to, to manage all aspects of advertising. And I was with that agency for over 11 years wow. and it was um, a great foundation. Um, at that time I uh, got married and was having a child and, uh, the, the glamour of working on a large national account at a young age uh, sort of lost its luster when it came down to, all right, I got to make some money and we got to really focus on, on raising a family. And I've uh, got into media sales um, and again, a great experience because the sales background is so valuable to every, every organization, every individual uh, who's running a business, um, sales is at the core of, of everything that we do. So there was such a, a healthy uh, and productive experience for me. But ultimately, I learned that, that I, I, I'm, I'm an agency guy and that's <laughs> what I needed to be. And John Gumas and I, I have been um, personal friends for a long time. Uh, we play baseball together. We still do. Uh, so, wow. we, yeah, we had it's a separate set of stories. We can talk about that <laughs> down the road. Um, and uh, he approached me with the opportunity to come join him in, in his agency. He established the agency in 1984. So, you know, we're approaching wow. 40 years on this agency that was constructed to work with challenger brands. Um, I came on board about 12 years ago and together we have been working to really focus the attention on small and medium-sized businesses, really helping them uh, build their brands, uh, identify um, really their connection on an emotional level with their audience. And uh, that's really what the agency has done. So that's that's my background, Michael. I hope that wasn't too far back. No, no, that was perfect. I, I just love hearing about your journey. Like I said, before it's it's never a straight line it seems to be something that's just a winding road and, and you just can't quite tell as an entrepreneur where your path is going to take you it sounds like you've gone some pretty interesting routes and and done some pretty cool things i'd love to know more uh you know you've been in this space i'd love to know more about the challenger brand and and what challenger represents and stands for because you mentioned that kind of in passing and i think it's a really important element here because that's different you hear about marketing but what is challenger brand marketing and how is that separate from you know the typical uh, way of marketing right so most businesses are challenger brands there are are few um industry leaders who are what we refer to as the gorillas, right? So the, the, the dominant player who's going to outspend you in most ways, if not out-resource you in other ways, uh, really any business that is being out-resourced and that we define that as being um, greater brand awareness, greater distribution, uh, larger margins, if it's a traditional product. Um, and then really it comes down to, are you being outspent? And right. whether that's in a marketing standpoint, uh, at retail, um, it, it, if, if that's the case, then you are a challenger brand. And why that's important is that you can't market like a gorilla brand, right? You can't go right. dollar for dollar against the gorillas in your industry because usually um, the more money wins. So 
our mindset is and, and our conversations that we have with our challenger brand clients is that you've got to spend your money more wisely and you have to understand what it is that's going to connect on an emotional level with your customer, with your end user, your buyer, your decision maker. Uh, and oftentimes that requires listening to your customer and understanding what lives within the, the, the heart of leadership of your organization, because the essence lives there. And when you can extract the essence and you can put a message to that essence, then you're going to connect uh, with that, um, that buyer, that, that decision maker in a way that a gorilla can't. Because if a gorilla is going at it just on, on pure girth, uh, they're, they're not going to get the decision maker to move because they don't have that emotional connection that a challenger brand would. Right. And it seems as though that really brings a very personal element to it and, and that these challenger brands can do really intimately. And I, I, I love that idea. I mean, how do you dig into that with the challenger brand to, to bring out that individual personality? Yeah. So we, we would put our, our, our clients through a very specific focused process that would allow us to understand where that emotion lives. And it generally involves um, a series of interviews. Um, we, I, I, 95% of the time, I will conduct those interviews myself. It's really important that I have that conversation. Right. It's a one-on-one 20-minute -on -one, uh, phone conversation, intentionally old-school phone, because if, if you and I are looking at each other face-to-face -face and having this conversation, you're pretty much going to tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> I, I want to know the truth that lies behind the words. I, I want you to feel comfortable telling me exactly how you feel. So we do it on the phone. It's about 20 minutes. Uh, and I will ask a series of questions. It gets the, the participant to think differently about their experience with the, the brand, with the product, whatever it might be. And um, in those questions, we, we ask a lot of provocative discussion starting questions. Very few yes, no, closed end, not going to be. Right. We, we want you, if, if, if you had a magic wand and you can change one thing about the organization, what would it be? That's a, a place where we would want to start and talk a little bit about where, where that feeling lies. And, and so we'll go through that process with customers and the same process with the internal organization. And we want to compare the answers. So when we aggregate the responses and we put them on a, a chart and sure. we show the, 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 our client, right? The business owner. Well, here's what you thought the buying decisions were based on. Here are the five elements. Uh, we put those five elements in front of your customer and they rank them in this order. So if you thought that what was most important to the customer was price, and right. they came back to us and told us the most important uh, uh, element for their decision-making is experience, then that's an enlightening difference that you need to exploit. Um, so that's one piece of it. Another part of, of the uh, outside of the interviews is that we will spend half a day with our client. We'll sit them in a room post-COVID as we can mm -hmm. and in a boardroom scenario, and we'll run them through a series of, of brand exercises. Again, leadership within an organization, internal. Uh, so we'll just get the internal perspective here, but we'll run them through an exercise. And one of the things that we like to do, particularly with, with businesses um, that are targeting other businesses, or as many people like to say, B2B, we, we don't really 
care for the term B2B because never in the history of mankind has a business made a decision to work with another business. It's always right. been some human being at one business right. chosen to make a decision with another human being right. at a business based on a lot of emotional connections. But in, in for, for many of, of our clients and your listeners who, who are B2B brands, businesses, um, we, we run an exercise where we ask them to imagine themselves as a retail operation. So if you imagine your business uh, in a storefront that happens to be in the middle of a block filled with all your competitors. So next door is, is your big gorilla competitor. And on the other side is an emerging startup competitor. And across the street, more folks that do the same thing that you do. So imagine if your store was right there in the middle of that block and anyone who was interested in your product came to this shopping district to find their solution. They're walking down the street. What is it about your storefront that would attract them to walk in? So we would ask the team to design the edifice. No budget. How would you create the windows and doors and sign above? And um, would it be a, a traditional wooden front door? Or would it be a, uh, like an Apple store, just all glass and transparent so you can see in? Uh, and uh, would the sign be static versus some sort of digital video? Um, all kinds of different options. What, what would it look like? And what is it that you would say to attract that customer. Then there's a second part to this, what we call retail vision exercise is once that prospect walks into your store, you've done that job, you've attracted them, they've walked in. Once they be become part of, of the uh, interior of the store, they walk inside, what happens then? And what does the interior look like? And we provide our, our client with a schematic that they can draw. Here's the uh, first step, they'll go here. And then from here, they'll go over here and see a video. And maybe after that, uh, they'll go in the back and they'll be able to sample uh, some things and have some experiences. And then they'll walk around the other side and they maybe get a cup of coffee and, and talk to uh, a, 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 one of the uh, our other customers who've had a great story, right? So like a testimonial a little cafe where they can learn those sorts of things. And then they'll uh, head out the door and off they go. And we'll, uh, we, we will ask uh, our clients and in, in teams generally to draw the exterior and the interior and explain what happens when somebody walks in the store. Talk, talk to us about their journey and what do we want from them before they leave? And frequently they'll say, well, we'll try to get their uh, email address or maybe uh, we'll get a, a sale. Maybe they'll buy something on the way out the door all great. Uh, and then we hear their story and they, they explain what, what they're thinking. And when they're all done, we kind of lift the, the, the hood and we tell them this was a, a, a bit of a trick in that we weren't creating a retail store. We were actually creating a website. And the exterior of the store is your homepage. And this is what's going to attract that first person who's coming to your brand online. Uh, what does the exterior look like? What's the mood? What's that sign? The first message they see? Um, that positioning statement, is it clear? Does it explain to them immediately who you are and what you stand for? Uh, and then once they come in, then they're clicking on your site to go to that next page, whatever that might be. And the journey that was created in the interior of, the, of our retail vision really is the digital journey on your website. Where are they going? And before they leave, what is the call to action, right? Do we want to get their uh, contact information so we can follow up? Do we simply want them to sign up for our newsletter, watch a video, 
take a tour virtually, all that sort of thing. So uh, that's an example of, of what we would do in our symposium. We do a competitive analysis, uh, studying the, the other brands in their field. Um, and then we'll build out from all of that. We'll extract a, a whole messaging platform for our clients. We'll identify what is the, the longest form uh, of, of our language, our messaging language, which is all of about 30 seconds, about 45 words. There's nothing you can say in more than 45 words that isn't better said in fewer. So we, we, we are clear that the longest format is 45 words. That's generally a, an ele. sorry. Uh, yeah, about 45 words, three seconds. That's generally an elevator pitch kind of a format. Who are you? What do you do? What makes you special? And how do you make a difference for your customer? All that is, is weaved together in a, in a cleverly written uh, long form a piece of language. Within that lives the, the mission of the organization, the vision, uh, the positioning statement I mentioned when you come to the website, the first thing you see that tells you what, what you need to know as a visitor. Uh, the value proposition, maybe the most important thing that you write is what's in it for the user. What do they get out of this relationship? How clearly is that articulated and connecting with the um, uh, with, with that prospect? And then the, the shortest form, a tagline, right? So two, three, four, five words maybe that lives with the brand and tells your story for you because nobody has a sales force large enough to be able to explain what your business is. Uh, unlike when you have a brand and a tagline beneath it that does all the talking for you wherever that brand lives. So that's a, a little bit of an example. I love that. And and so thorough. I hope you guys all go back and listen to that again and and take some notes on it because there's so many important elements that he mentioned. And I want to dig in a little bit to the overwhelming nature of the things that, that you just talked about. I mean, I, I can imagine one of our listeners out there going, oh my gosh, how do I know if I, I, I should do this right now? Like, how do I know in my business that I should go get them on board and, and get some help with this? Because that sounds overwhelming. And that sounds a little out of my range because I'm really good at building widgets or yeah. you know, whatever it is that their thing is. Yeah, I, th I think it comes down to if, if things are going great, you're meeting and surpassing your sales goals, you don't need to talk to us. When things aren't going so great and when conversion rates are down, then we need to have a conversation because frequently it just comes down to saying the right thing, that right. you're getting in front of the people if you're getting traffic to the website, but they're not converting, whatever that conversion metric is, like I said, it could be take a virtual tool, tour, could be contact a, a rep, whatever that might be. If that's not happening, um, then we're not saying the right thing. And that means that we're maybe not listening closely enough to what our customer needs to hear from us that's going to connect the dot and force them to click on start your journey here button. Uh, frequently it's going to come down to messaging. And that's, that's the thing I would ask your, your, your listeners to consider is how comfortable are you that what you're saying to your prospect is meaningful, connecting to them on an emotional level, meaning what it is that you're saying to them tells them that this is exactly what I need. Where have you been? I'm, I have been missing this in, in our entire business uh, life, 
we have not said the right thing and we're just guessing at what it is that, that we, we need to say. Right. And that, that message to market match, I find is so challenging for so many brands and, and being able to figure out what that is that you're trying to say that to them. And I've heard numerous times, you know, think about what your client is thinking about when they go to sleep. And I, and I heard this a number of times back from different clients, different businesses. They're like, my client, when they're going to sleep is trying not to think about business. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, so right? so yeah. how do they do that? How can they dig in a little bit more to that, that message to market match that they're trying to really get inside their, their customers minds on? Yeah. I, I think our, our first thought would be don't guess. <laughs> right. And that's, that's most common. Um, and they'll, what what happens often is that we'll have this very conversation with with a, a prospect or a client, and they'll say our website's not working. And we'll talk to them about the website and what it looks like and the CMS and what, whatever the details technologically are about the website. And they're just saying people aren't clicking through. We're just not attracting the right audience. And uh, I think what we need to do is spend fifty thousand dollars and build a new WordPress site. Right. And we'll say, well, right, before we do that, um, let's make sure that what you're saying on the website is meaningful to the person who's coming to the website. Right. And then we would, would suggest if, they, if that's not working and there's some sort of a, a misdirect there, that we would want to have conversations with your customers and right. ask them. Because if, if you ask your customer what they want, they're generally going to tell you. Right. And if you ask it in the right way, they're going to tell you why. And it's the right. why that is the emotional connection between what they want and what you offer and how you put it together. I love that. You know, I want to dig in a little bit to a little bit more on the challenger aspect of it. I mm -hmm. find it so fascinating and, and so interesting. And I, I know your partner and you have, have spent a lot of time in that space of talking about the challenger element of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, earlier you, you talked a little bit about what it meant to be a challenger brand. And is it something that, that our listeners should be aspiring to not be? I mean, like, like you talked about the gorilla brand and, uh, or the gorilla size of it and maybe being a challenger. Is that, are they, should they be looking to get out of being a challenger brand or is it just about, being comfortable and staying in that space and understanding how it works. So uh, we, we look at, at the challenger brand positioning as an approach and a philosophy right. that it's not really defining or sp certainly not judgmentally defining any organization as being a challenger brand and, and then sweet little pat you on the head. And, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think the best brands in the world market themselves as challenger brands, regardless of size. And the proof there is that we have worked with guerrilla brands. And what we have done is changed the way that, that they have been used to going to market. So we we've, have a couple of examples of that. Uh, we worked with um, the world's leader in cancer care, large global brand, super doing the best possible work for, for, for the world. And they're dominant. They were dominant in, in most areas of, of the, both the equipment software that goes with treating cancer around the world. But there was this one area 
where they just weren't there. There were three or four brands that were just eating their lunch uh, surrounding the de delivery of, 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 of cancer care. And so they figured, all right, enough of just spending money on this. We need to rethink it and uh, brought us in to study what it was. And, and I went through the process just like I described earlier. And, and, and the, the, the difference was that um, they weren't connecting with their buyer uh, in this particular area. And they were marketing a, a niche element of, of cancer care um, as a gorilla brand to a buyer who needed a challenger brand mentality. They needed a sense of emotion, uh, a sense that what this is, is not a business decision. This is a life-saving decision. And once we understood what the uh, buyer, the high-level procurement officer or a decision maker at a, at a hospital group needed to hear, uh, then the difference was made for that gorilla brand to approach it, uh, a particular issue in the challenge brand mentality. So what we would suggest is that if you consider yourself a challenger brand now, and we say everyone should, then you should maintain that challenger brand mentality through the life of, of your organization always stressing to connect with, with your buyer on an emotional level to, to create an experience for your customer and not ever, no matter how dominant you become to simply throw money at a problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like, you know, from what you talked about, I feel like there's so many listeners that, that will have connected with that today because it's really potent you know, and just being able to understand where you're at and, and, and how you're talking to your people. I think that I hear so often those same things you were mentioning that, that people just aren't finding out from their customer. And, and I love the part where you talked about, Hey, if you just ask, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll let you know. And they'll, if you ask it right, they'll tell you why. I love that. I think that's so cool. I hope you guys out there listening, um, you know, write that down. If you're driving, don't write it down, <laughs> but, but write it down some, at some point. Uh, but I think that, um, I think that's huge. I think it's such a big deal. You know, I, you talked to us a little bit about what it would be like to come and work with you. It sounds fascinating. What's a great way for our audience to get in touch with you? If they're listening, they're oh, going, yeah. yeah, this is a, this is a cool thing. I, I've got to get more of this and I want to find out more. What's a great way for them to connect with you guys and start the process? Well, since you were kind enough, Michael, to open the door, I'm going to step in and, and show our book. Challenger yeah. So Challenger Brand Marketing, John Gumas, uh, my partner uh, with me. Uh, nice. And uh you will get a great feel for this, not particularly large book, but it's sure. fascinating. I don't know if you can see John in there with me. John, yeah. um, that'll give you a good sense of what we talked about just together now. Cool. Uh, all details and lots of stories and um, applicable tips on doing the things the Challenger brand way. Sure. And we would hope that once you've read that book and even more so before, that you reached out to, to us uh, either through our website or directly to me. And the website is simply gumas.com, G-U-M-A-S, gumas.com, uh, or Alexander at gumas.com. And I will be thrilled to be able to connect with you and talk to you about our process, answer a question you might have, provide some advice or insight, any of that you want, happy to do it. 
That's awesome. We put the uh, Ooh, thank the link to their book to the Challenger brand marketing book, and you can go straight there at gumas.com slash challenger dash brand dash marketing dash book. And you'll find the book right there for you to get in. And it, it, what a great way to, to get in and get some more information about it. Man, I could sit here and talk with you for hours about this marketing stuff. I love it. I love it. And I, it's so great to hear about your journey and how you got here. I appreciate you taking the time today to really uh, come and explain to us about what you've been doing, how you've been helping brands. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have some last parting words that you'd like to share with the audience on, on their on their challenger brand? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for inviting me in and allowing me to, to tell my story and share our book. And, and, and it was a great experience. And oh my gosh, that was the fastest half an hour <laughs> I've ever experienced. Um, and, and really, uh, challenger brand is a mindset. And just know that, that, that you as, as, a, as a business, uh, if, if you think a, a little bit differently about what it is you're trying to achieve from the, from the mindset of your, uh, your customer and what it is they need to hear from you that's going to make a difference for them, then you're, you're, you're going to be fine. I love that. Well, we sure appreciate you. Honored to have you on the show. And, uh, and we look forward to having another conversation about this again in the future. Until next time, thank you guys for joining us on the show today, and we'll see you next time on the Business Choreography Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.